kindness, Father. Father, we know who you are because of your word. Father, we know who you are because of your spirit. Father, you're the God who loves your people. You're the God who came to the earth and chose to live and die and shed blood on our behalf to obtain and purchase redemption, Father, and to obtain and purchase healing, Father, and deliverance. We thank you, Father. And Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, we can know who God is. It's, uh, sometimes we act like God's a mystery, and of course there are mysterious things about the Lord. But as far as who he is, you know, uh, the Lord, the word has, has revealed much of who he is to us. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, uh, I was listening to Brother Randy's uh, podcast the other day. And um, I think this was a, a fairly old message. Um, you know, messages are still good messages, doesn't matter how old they are. But uh, just from the timeline, some of the things he was talking about. But, um, he, but he, made, he, he made a statement that I thought was interesting. He said that... Uh, Lord, the Lord was talking to him. He said, Jesus is our prototype. And um, when he said that, of course, being an engineer, I, I know all about prototypes, right? And so in the engineering world, you're going to make something. Well, you're not sure if it's really going to work or not. You kind of hope it does. You got, you got all the designs and you got you know, all the plans and drawings and everything. But at the end of the day, you're not really sure if it's going to work. So you, so you build a prototype, right? You build it and uh, you know you don't automate it yet. You don't put it on a production line, but you handcraft this thing. And then if it works, then you go, okay, that's good. Make a, th- a million more just like that, right? Uh, and so, and and I thought that was pretty good that Jesus is a prototype. And I and I was thinking about that um, even during the the song there. You know, much of the time, uh, even at, and that song was fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that song. Um, I was just thinking about how oftentimes we talk about, well, God, you know, you make a way. And you do this and you do that. But if you look at Jesus, you know, when he was going out, when the multitudes came to him, did he stop and say, hang on, let me go pray and see if the Lord wants me to do this? Uh, no, he, he was executing the will of God on the earth. And, and much of the time we think that we have, to, we have to go get permission from heaven or uh, ask heaven to do something on our behalf instead of us doing it, right? When he, he, said, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, so he said, you're the one who's supposed to say to the mountain. You don't, you're not asking the Lord to remove the mountain. Now, it's his power that does it, but it's you're the, supposed to be, you're the one who's supposed to be speaking to the mountain, doing these things. You're the one who's supposed to lay hands on a sick and, and they'll recover. He didn't say, when you get to a sick person, stop, pause, pray, maybe fast a little while, find out if my will to heal him. And if it is, then, then I'll just do it. You ask me and I'll heal him. He, he said, you do it. You you." You lay hands on them. And of course, it's his power that does it. Uh, but much of the church, you know, we, we really haven't gotten the, the concept and idea that we have been empowered to operate in authority in the earth. And, and our responsibility is, is to walk through this earth, especially things that are closely related to, to your life. Most of the time, you're just operating in authority. When you're dealing with other people's lives, sometimes you've, gotta, you've got to find out the will of God. You know, what, are, what do you want to do in that person's behalf, Lord? But as far as your life, you should be speaking to the mountains, cursing sickness and disease, claiming your, uh, your victory, uh, living in, in the victory uh, that the Lord has provided for us, much of the time without even requesting from heaven because he's already ex- expressed his will and his word. And so we're here just executing what we see in the word that if it, by his stripes from healed, why would you ever need to actually request from heaven to be healed? He already told you that you're healed. So... Uh, we use the power of God. It is the, it's his power, right? We have no inherent power uh, of ourselves, but we're, we're really just executing uh, God's plan on the earth using his name and the, and the authority that he's granted to us. Uh, and so uh, I think sometimes the church is asking too many things of heaven when they should be doing things that heaven has already told us to do. Uh, and so and we do those things by his authority, amen? And that, that kind of that gets into the next section uh, uh, of the uh, the book here, but I think uh, we need to answer the questions. We didn't answer the questions last week, did we? Right, um, and so we finished up the the, uh, the third reason. These are the six reasons why. What's that? We didn't. Okay, the, the, these are the um, in his book. It's bit written, it's broken down into divisions, 
this is division number one, reason number three. So the division number one is the six reasons why every uh, child of God should take Jesus as the healer. And so we're in reason three. Uh, and so, um, so we just have a, a few questions. Of course, this is a short section there, uh, but the, this section was that uh, we should take Jesus as a healer because sickness is the result of Satan's work. So it is not the, the result of the work of the Lord, right? He's not putting sickness and disease on anybody. Um, and so, uh, so the first question is, all sickness is the result of whose work? I think I just told you that, right? You got that wrong, I'm going to give you, give you a hard time. It's Satan's work, right? Uh, is that true? Well, it is true. How much of the church doesn't believe that? How much of the church often thinks that God uses sickness as a tool to teach us patience or teach us piety or teach us some lesson that we haven't learned yet? Um, and so uh, if, if sickness is really the result of, of the work, and of course we prove that from the word of God, then uh, why is God having to, uh, there's literally billions and billions, I mean, maybe even trillions, but I'm sure there's billions and billions of saints and, and angels and cherubim and seraphim and all kinds of spiritual beings. He can't find anybody in the entire kingdom to help him to, to deal with humanity. He has to, he has to resort to finding somebody from the enemy's camp to assist him in dealing with humanity. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? Um, I mean, that's, that either says a lot of bad things about all the good angels in heaven or we misunderstand the word of God. Well, I think it's more likely the second cause than the first cause. Uh, and so uh, question number two from Acts 10.38, define the word oppressed. That was in the, in the book there, but uh, we, uh, to, to dominate or exercise lordship over, right? Because uh, he healed all those who were oppressed uh, of the devil. Uh, and so uh, sickness will dominate you and it will exercise lordship over you. In other words, it's going to tell you what to do. You know, many people, especially if they get chronic sickness, their whole life is revolved around the maintenance of that sickness, right? From the doctor's visits and the medication and not being able to get out of bed or, uh, you know, tending the wound or, you know, whatever it is, their whole life revolves around that sickness. Uh, and so that sickness has dominated their life. It controls their life. Uh, and and now, uh, now some people, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's, well, it's, it's not often. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Some people enjoy that, right? Some people, that's their whole uh, life is defined by their sickness. Oh, I've got such and such, you know, and, uh, and I, well, I can't do that because of such and such. Uh, and so... Uh, no, you don't want anybody to have dominion over you other than the Lord. And so if sickness is controlling your life, then surely that couldn't be the will of God. Amen? Because he wants to control your life. You know, if you think about the, the primary purpose of the church on the earth, why are we here? Why are we on this earth? Why, why are the Christians, not just the physical church, but why Christians on the earth? To advance the kingdom of heaven, right? If everybody was saved right now, right, somehow... We all get saved. Uh, the whole world is saved. The Lord Jesus would come back. There would be no other reason for him to stay away than uh, if everybody was already saved. And so the primary purpose of every Christian on the earth is to advance his kingdom. And, of course, they've done, you know, I mean, it's simple math, right? But let's just say, I don't know how many Christians are on the earth, but let's say there's about a billion or so. If every Christian got one person saved next year, then it would be two billion, right? And if those two billion got... One, one person saved the next year, that'd be four billion. And if all of those four billion got one person saved the next year, that'd be eight billion. We'd, be go, we'd go home, like in three years, right? Uh, and, and so uh, our, our, percentage, our success rate is pretty low, right? And so that's not entirely our fault because, you know, we preach the gospel, but people have to accept the gospel, amen? Uh, and so um, uh, if the purpose of the church is to advance his kingdom by getting people saved, and that's really why we're here. The purpose of the, of, well, the purpose of Christians is to do that. purpose of the church, the, the structural church, is to instruct the Christians in how to, how to live successfully and victorious to be able to go do that. And so that's the primary purpose of the church. It's not fellowship. It's not meals. It's not even feeding the poor or clothing the naked. The primary purpose of the structured church is to teach the saints of God. Um, and so... Uh, in fact, I was uh, reading something on, online today, and, and 
Uh, I usually just kind of skim over them, right? But this one person said, uh, you know, a lot of the church today is focused on, uh, and, and they were, I don't know why they were picking on, on young people, but they were not, in particular, this person was talking about young people who lead praise and worship and, you know, do a great job. But they, they say they're elevating, worship is being the most important thing in the church. Uh, and, and, they're, and they're using what they said was young people. And of course, every church, I mean, uh, Chris does an amazing job, but uh, she's not a 20-year-old, right? Uh, and so, yeah, now she, she's a pretty as a 20-year-old, you know, so, but, but um, uh, they were just talking about, for whatever reason, about that particular thing. And they said that uh, the emphasis is in the wrong area. The emphasis of the church should be on the teaching of the word. And I thought, well, you know, uh, you don't hear that very often, but that's, that's, the, that's the truth, amen? That's the primary purpose of the structured church. Everything else is fine, right? There's nothing, you don't have to stop doing those things. But uh, in fact, uh, the Lord was just, just talking to the Lord, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a complaint or anything, but just an observation about how many people look at the church and they see the pastor as kind of a, a side, well, you know, you know, whatever. They don't even know the pastor's name. Well, you know, uh, he's like an appendage, right? He's there, but, you know, uh, what's really important is the fellowship we have and being among uh, like, like people who like precious faith. And no, the, the whole intent of the structured church is the word, right? Is teaching of the word. And that's, that should be the primary thing. And everything else should be gravy, right? And we're thankful for everything else. And so... You know, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that's, that's the purpose of the church. And so if the purpose of the church is to teach the saints, the purpose of the saints is to, is to uh, get people into the kingdom of heaven, and that's really the correct order, right? So it's not the pastor's job to get everybody saved, right? I mean, as far as going out and evangelizing, that's really the job of the entire church, which would include the pastor. I'm not, uh, I'm not exempt from, from uh, uh, encouraging people to get born again and, and witnessing people to get born again. Because uh, when I leave these doors, you know, when I'm out there talking to people, I'm really talking to them as a Christian, not so much as a pastor. And so if that's true, then uh, if you're in bed, if you're, if you're dominated by sickness, are you able to complete the primary task that, you, that you're on the earth for? All right. If you're, if you're unable to get up, if you're unable to take care of yourself, if you're unable to walk out the door, if you're unable to do anything other than maintain uh, your sickness and to take care of the medicine, take care of the doctor's visits, take care of, you know, being in bed. Uh, and again, we're not disparaging anybody, but I'm just, but the, the point of it is, is if, if, uh, if that's your life, then you're unable to complete the very reason why you're on this earth. Uh, and so uh, that should tell you that the, that sickness can't hardly be the will of God because his will is go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what he told the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, and so, if you said you're unable to do that, then what's the purpose of your existence? Amen. So it doesn't mean, well, I just need to go home to be with the Lord. Well, it would be better to just get healed and then to complete his work on the earth, right? That would be better, right? I'm not trying anybody to, to I mean, if you go to Canada, they'll let you kill yourself, right? In Canada, you, you know, in Canada, it's legal to uh, have uh, medically assisted suicide, right? Uh, and I, I forget what it's called, it's like MAID, but it's medically assisted death or something like that uh, and uh, and as of right now it's like six percent of the population die from from a doctor's uh, killing them right and now they're, they're trying to say uh, they're trying to expand that now if you're mentally ill you can sign a waiver now and they'll kill you right uh, and they're trying to expand it to that you know and 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 so basically the the rule is uh, the, the originally the rule was if you have terminal illness you know, you, you, can, you can go ahead and, and ask to, to uh, exit stage right early, right? To leave this earth early. Uh, and then, of course, once they pass that, they're like, well, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be like terminal if you just don't see ever getting better. I mean, well, what if you got a limp, right? Or what if you got, you know, uh, a, a cough? Or, you know, what if you sniffle a lot, you know, up out the door of you, right? And so... Um, now, it hasn't come down yet to where the state can decide to kill you. Uh, but I don't know, it, it, uh, I don't know if you saw that story a week or two ago. It's not been that long. There was a baby in the United Kingdom uh, that uh, had a terminal sickness. And, of course, in the United Kingdom, it's state-funded medicine, right? And so in, in America, it's, it's uh, 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 sort of not state, but, it, you know, we sort of have... have uh, private insurance in the United States, you know, they're trying to do away with that. But in the United Kingdom, it's not. It, it's all run by the government. 
The government just go, you know, you're not worth saving. You know, I mean, we can, we can, we can keep you alive, but it's going to cost us a lot, so, you know, too bad, right? Well, this baby, uh, they, that's what they told the baby. Uh, they told the, this little baby uh, had some sickness, and it was terminal, and they said, we are not going to uh, provide any more care for this baby. Uh, and so the parents, and the parents weren't even Christians, but, but the Vatican, Rome, uh, said, hey, we'll let you come over here. And, and um, uh, the, the United Kingdom said, no, you can't do that. You're not a citizen of, of Italy. So they granted them citizenship. It, the Italian government granted this baby citizenship to come over there. Uh, and so they were going to leave. And the United Kingdom said, you cannot leave. And the baby died. I mean, and this is just, I mean, it's a horrible story, right? And, and the judge is like, you know, the cost to society is too great for, for what is, is a moonshot, right? There's, there's almost no chance that this baby will recover. And that was probably true scientifically. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, and, and even the parents said, well, you know, it's not likely, but it's a shot. And if it's a shot, I'm going to take the shot, right? Who wouldn't do that, right? I mean, everybody would do that for the baby. But the government's getting to where now they're deciding life and death. You know, they're deciding who lives and dies, right? Uh, and so it, it's, uh, uh, and everybody's like, well, we, we want government uh, medicine over here too. Well, you don't want government medicine. Anything that removes your free will is, uh, uh, is tyranny, right? Uh, and the devil tries to remove your free will. You do not have a free will if you're having to be under the oppression of sickness and disease, right? Uh, you don't have a free, well, I want to get up and go. I can't because my sickness won't let me do it. Then your will has been constrained. You are under the tyranny, the oppression of the devil. Um, and, you know, every government in the world, including our government, is, uh, hates freedom. You know, I mean, people, some people love freedom, but, but the spirits behind most governments hate freedom because they, they don't want you to have a choice, right? Why? Because it all drives back to the, the oppression of the devil. Uh, and, and men are always trying to remove your freedom in whatever capacity they can. And, and I'm not trying to be political. It's just uh, we have to look at these things from a spiritual standpoint. From a spiritual standpoint, they hate freedom, right? They hate every freedom that you have, right? Uh, and, of course, we're thankful that the Lord brought together some amazing men who started this country, who wrote the Constitution, and have things like the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and things like that. But even, again, in, in the U.K., uh, they've got a law that uh, if you're close to like an abortion clinic, you're not allowed to go and protest at all. And so this lady was just standing there. And they went up there and said, what are you doing? Standing here. Are you praying? Well, it might be in, uh, in my head. You're under arrest. Uh, and they literally arrested her for praying in her head, which is not, technically, it's not really prayer, right? We know that, but, you know, still. She's standing there, not doing anything, not holding a sign, not on her knees, literally standing there, because you're thinking thoughts of prayer, you're under arrest. And they did that twice to her. Uh, and, uh, and you don't think those things are trying to come to the United States? You know, you've got to be careful, right? We've got to, we've got to, we have got been given a great blessing of this country. Uh, and the more we allow these freedoms to erode, uh, the more that uh, the spirits behind these things will control your life, right? Because they hate, they hate religion right? Uh, they, hate, they hate God. It's always about God, right? It's not about power and politics. It's about uh, the devil hates God, and he tries to manipulate men to control other people's lives in the same capacity he does in every other way of their life, right? And primarily through sickness and disease. Uh, and so if you're sick in, in, in bed, you are unable to complete the, the primary existence for breathing air on this earth as a Christian, amen? Uh, and so that should tell you, the whole point of that statement is to tell you that Sickness is never uh, of God. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> uh, according to, um, oh, well, let's see, question number three is who has the power of death? Satan, Satan does, right? Death is, is an enemy of God and he has power of death. Now, God has, has authority over that power of death. And, uh, and in this time frame that we live in, he, he will constrain that power of death up to a limit, right? Uh, once you've achieved a full life on this earth, then uh, he didn't promise that, that uh, you would live forever physically on the earth. Uh, but uh, the devil's always trying to get that to be short, shorter than it should be, right? He's trying to get you to succumb to the power of death uh, earlier than you should. Uh, but ultimately, the Lord will destroy that power of death, right? I mean, he's destroyed it in the sense that he has authority in it, but uh, he has not removed death out of the earth. Uh, and so death comes from, from Satan. And I'm not sure if even the... the uh, 
uh, wording of that, of that question is the best wording of that question because death comes from Satan is really the primary intent there. Uh, and uh, name two things that Jesus came to destroy. Uh, the works of the devil. That was the first John 3, 8. What's the second one? Uh, it says in Hebrews uh, 2.14 that Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Uh, and so, so Jesus, he didn't come to destroy death yet, but he did come to destroy, or really in that sense, to annul the power of uh, the one who has, uh, has the power of death, right? To destroy him that has the power of death. So that's what Hebrews 2.14 says, that Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death. Now, in, uh, I'm sure we mentioned this in 1 John 3.8, that for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, was, was Jesus, did Jesus complete that task when he was on the earth? Was there any works of the devil going on in, say, China when Jesus was on the earth? What about Madagascar? Was any any works of the devil going on in Madagascar? I mean, I don't know. You've not been there, obviously, but but I think it's a good bet that there were some works of the devil going on in there, right? What about all of Africa? What about all of Europe? Did Jesus go to any of those places? No. So he obviously didn't go and destroy uh, all the works of the devil there. So who who has been left with the task of completing that work or continuing that work? It would be the church, right? Part of our job is to destroy the works of the devil both in our lives and the lives of those who are unable to, through their own knowledge or uh, understanding of the Word of God, uh, complete that task, right? So there's many people who, even Christians, who are unaware that they have the right and the privilege to destroy the works of the devil in their life, so they need your help, right? They need your help, your knowledge that, is, that you have the capacity to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, and so it's our job then to assist them in that, amen? Um, and so that's, that's all the questions, right, for that uh, What's that? What's the second thing on the number four? Uh, uh, Hebrews 2.14, to destroy him who has the power of death. Okay, so the first one is the works of the devil, and the second one is the devil. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so those, and those are the two references there, Hebrews 2.14 and 1 John 3.8. So. Um, and so, so that's, that's the end of uh, reason, number four, reason number three. So reason number four, then, um, as far as why uh, every Christian should take Jesus as the healer is a discussion about the Holy Spirit in the church. Uh, and, you know, I'm so thankful for, um, first of all, the Pentecostal church, but also the charismatic renewal, which occurred really back in the 60s and, and, and um, peaked kind of late 70s, early 80s, um, as far as the training and instruction about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, if you ask even your average Christian, whether it doesn't matter even if they're Pentecostal or not, uh, but if you ask your average Christian, what, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the life of the Christian today? Uh, what's he doing, in, in, specifically, what's he doing in your life, right? What's he doing in your life today, right now? Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of them would be like, it's like, well, I don't guess anything, right? Uh, and... Um, uh, I was talking to a fellow I know that goes to, I call it the First Church of Doubt and Unbelief, so we won't name the actual church they went to, but it, uh, they could have been called the First Church of Doubt and Unbelief and, and had been uh, pretty accurate. Because uh, I said, uh, so you don't believe in miracles? No. You don't believe that God speaks to you supernaturally? No. You don't believe that God leads you supernaturally? No. You don't believe God uh, will, will empower you to lay hands on the sick and recover? No. You don't believe in speaking in tongues? No. You don't believe in prophecy or words of wisdom or words of knowledge? No. I said, so what's the Holy Spirit doing? I mean, if you don't believe in any of those things, then what's he doing? I said, do you believe the Holy Spirit's in you? Oh, yeah. But you don't believe he's doing any of those things? No. I said, well, then what is he doing? And he looked at me like a cow. He looked at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I thought, well, you're a, you, you go to church every week, right? I mean, you know, maybe two, two or three times a week at least, you know. I mean, I know they go every week, and they probably go twice a week because they're, you know, faithful church members. I'm thinking, you've been in church since forever, and you have no, no idea, zero idea of what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in your life in an active way. No. What? You need to ask for a refund. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, because where is Jesus today? 
He's at the right hand of the Father. So then the $64 question is, where's the Father? He'd be at the left hand of Jesus, right? And so they're both in heaven, aren't they? Uh, and so uh, they're, they're both in heaven. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? He's on the earth, right? And so we got two of the Godhead in, uh, two members of the Godhead in, in heaven, one on the earth, primarily in, uh, in the temples of the, of the children of God, right? In your body, living in your body. Uh, and so it would, it would, you would think that if that's true, which of course, I think every Christian would believe that that's true. If that's true, then we need to be very well aware of what he is doing for us and what he's providing for us while he's living on the inside of us. What is he there for? Uh, and, and if you can get a, a Christian look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Think, well, you know, then what do you talk about in church? If you don't talk about the Holy Spirit in you and leading you and speaking to you and, and giving you revelation and, and encouraging you and comforting you, I mean, the, 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 uh, when Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter, the, the, the Greek word is paraclete. It's comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby. Those are the sevenfold uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. Uh, among other things, no doubt, empowering you to, to complete the will and plan of God on the earth. How do you not know anything? How do you not know any of that? How, how, how do you, you act like that, that, that question has never come up? What do you, so what are you learning in church? You know, that, that's a good question, right? Because if, you, if all you learn is salvation, okay, salvation. The Spirit of God comes in you and causes your spirit to be reborn and seals your Holy Spirit and then leads you and guides you all the days of your life. I have never heard of that. How do you get saved? I mean, it's the Holy Spirit who actually does the work of saving you, right? I mean, you get a brand new spirit, a recreated spirit. He's the one who breathes life back into you. Remember, Jesus breathed on them in, in John 20. He said, he breathed on them. He said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And that's when they got born again. So, so the Holy Spirit comes in you, and he's the one causing you to have new life. He is the life of God. You don't know that? You, you have no concept of that? And, and it would be like, yeah, well, I don't know. What are you talking about? Uh, and, uh, and so, I don't know, we have, we have done studies and t- teachings here about the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? We've done the, uh, in fact, we did all three of them, right? We did the present-day ministry of, of the God the Father, what's he doing today? Uh, present-day ministry of the Lord Jesus, right? One of the things he, he ever lived to make intercession for us, right? So we know he's, he's uh, and he's the leader of the church, right? So there's just a couple things that Jesus is doing, staying busy, pretty busy with that, right? All the time it's like, oh, another church, you know, somebody else, somebody else messing up a church, he's got to deal with that, right? Uh, he's establishing new physical churches. He's establishing new ministry gifts, right? He said he gave gifts unto men. So every time a new uh, person comes into the earth, he may anoint them for a special, uh, special mission on the earth. And so he's got he's to make sure that that uh, gets carried through adulthood and, and they accomplish that uh, plan for, his, for the church, right? Because he gave that gift to the church. He's got to uh, oversee that. And, and he's the great shepherd, uh, and so he's busy, right? He's doing a lot of things with the entire church. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit is working in conjunction with the head of the church uh, as being uh, the carriers or, or the, the uh, provider of all the power that's in the church. And, he, and he's the one who lives on the inside of us, right? And so, so the Holy Spirit and what he does, it's, it's a, v- a very large, expansive ministry that the, the Holy Spirit has in the church today and, and yet we act like it's such a small thing and we act like it's not even a big thing. And it's like, well, but I mean, you go look out and see every star, you know, as we understand the word of God, we realize it was the power of the Holy Spirit that created everything, right? It was the, the announcement of Jesus as the administrator to say, let there be light. It was God the Father who wanted light. It was Jesus who let there be light. And it was the Holy Spirit who ca- caused the light to be. Uh, and, it's, and that's kind of what you see throughout the Word of God. It's always in that three, right? It's, it's always, every, all the plan is always in the Father. Uh, the administration of that plan is always uh, assigned to the Lord Jesus. And the power of the execute that plan is always in the Holy Spirit. Well, well, every star was created by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's in you right now. That same power lives in you right now. Uh, and, and that's not a small thing, right? That's a, that's a really big thing. So, so the, this, this next uh, section then is uh, talking about the Holy Spirit in the church. And he says that all the power to heal the sick and raise the dead in the ministry of Jesus came from uh, the Holy Spirit, right? I remember Jesus said a couple of different times that he said, I can of mine own self do what? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't say, uh, I have decided 
in my own self to do nothing. He said, I can't do anything of myself. He didn't say, I wouldn't do anything of myself. He didn't say, well, I could do it, but I'm going to yield it to the Holy Spirit. That's not what he said. He said, I can't do it. I have, I have no ability to do anything of myself. <clears throat> and so he, he rested upon the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And when did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit? We know that answer that question, right? And when he was baptized, where? Yeah, in the River Jordan, right? The, the Bible says the Holy Spirit you know, came and, and, uh, uh, and lighted upon him as a dove. Now, he wasn't a bird, but uh, uh, like a dove, right? So it was a gentle uh, a baptism in the Holy Spirit there that Jesus received uh, at the same time that he was water baptized. Uh, and prior to that, Jesus, there's no history of Jesus ever uh, accomplishing any miracle. And, of course, there's stories and myths of when Jesus was a, you know, a kid, you know, and he, he healed his, his brother or he healed his friend or, you know, he, he uh, helped the butterfly's wing get back. No, he, there's, he never did any of that stuff because he didn't have the Holy Spirit. And so he, he, was, uh, he was still God, uh, uh, and he had, uh, no doubt, a great mental capacity to, to know things because we saw that when he was 12 years old at the temple. But as far as having power to do things, he had no power to do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Uh, and so it, was that a different Holy Spirit? Was it like a Holy Spirit version one? And we've got, you know, like his, his lesser known cousin, you know, Holy Spirit, uh, I was going to say Bob or Fred, but, you know, we've got to come up with some other names, right? Uh, Jimbo, was it uh, Holy Spirit Jimbo? Is that his cousin? No, it's the same Holy Spirit, right? Is it a different Holy Spirit? Same Holy Spirit. Uh, and is he still in the church today? He is, amen. And, and in fact, Jesus, uh, uh, what did he say? Uh, let's turn to uh, John chapter 14. Let's see what Jesus said here. And I don't know, no, we know these things, but it, it's just always good to remind yourself how powerful uh, the Spirit is in our life and how powerful he could be, amen. Uh, and so uh, he said... Um, well, I was going to read, we'll go ahead and, we'll go ahead and read uh, this one here, but we'll also read um, uh, in, um, I think we're going to go over, yeah, we'll go over there, but we'll read here in, in John 14, first here. It says in verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you uh, forever there. Uh, and so, uh, and, that, and that word uh, comforter there is paraclete, right? It's this, the seven uh, Greek words for uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so he's going to give us another comforter. So Jesus was a comforter. He's going to send you another comforter, right? Uh, and of course, uh, in chapter 16, just one page over there, he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you, or it's adv advantageous to you, uh, that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter or the helper will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Uh, and so that same Holy Spirit, so, so Jesus is the one who sends the Holy Spirit to us, right? Because that makes sense. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit answers uh, to Jesus in this present time. Uh, and so uh, he's going to send that to us there. Uh, and he said it's to, it's to our advantage, right? Uh, he's going to send that comforter or that helper to you. And so again, asking a question, if he's the helper, right? Because that's one of the definitions of the Greek word for comforter there. If he's the helper, then what is he helping you with, right? What is he helping you do? And when I say that, I mean it in an active sense, right? Some people say, well, you know, he, he's helping me uh, through, through strengthening me to overcome the difficulties of life. And, and it's all very kind of nebulous, right? It's like, well, he's doing it, but it's all behind the scenes, right? Because we don't really see what he does. We don't know what he's doing. He just, we just kind of see the results of, of him helping us. And, and, that's a, and much of the church has a very disconnected relationship with the Lord. Well, the Lord's doing things, but we don't really know what he's doing or why he's doing or when he's doing it or where he's doing it, but he's doing things, right? And, and the Holy Spirit's doing things. And, uh, well, you know, if you've got a helper, you know, usually the, the helper uh, is, is like right there beside you, right? I mean, that's where they're the helper, right? Uh, and some people said, you know, you, you can't hurt my feelings because... Uh, uh, when I was a kid, I used to help my dad, right? I'd hand him the wrench. And, and, and so you have to kind of know the inside joke of that because a lot of times uh, if you help your dad, you know, he'd, he'd uh, uh, get mad at you and holler at you and say bad things about you if you didn't help him exactly the right way. Uh, and so 
You know, if you ever, and I know when I used to uh, help, help my dad do things or we'd help in the garden, and if he didn't do right, man, you get a rake, a rake handle upside the head. Uh, and, um, and that hurts, right? Uh, and so, um, so what can you do to me? You know, you'd help my dad and get a rake handle upside my head. What are you going to do to hurt my feelings? Uh, but so, you know, if he's your helper, then it should be, it's in an active sense, right? You should be aware that he's helping you. You should be working with him to help you, right? You would say, Holy Spirit, I need your help to do this. And then you know what he's actually doing. But most Christians, you know, well, he's doing things, but I have no idea why, why he's doing it, when he's doing it, if he's even going to do it. Uh, and, and it's such a disconnected relationship that much of the church has with the Holy Spirit. You should have a very intimate, close relationship with the Holy Spirit. You should talk to him, right, uh, and, and fellowship with him and ask him questions. And, you know, of course, I ask questions of the Lord Jesus, too. Um, but it's, it's the, the Holy Spirit that's granted these things. But, you know, you talk to the Holy Spirit as well. And so uh, he, he, you should have a close relationship. with He, live, he lives on the inside of you. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody just moves into your house and you're like, who's that? I don't know. Well, what's he doing? I don't know. Well, I mean, do you know his name? Not really. I mean, why is he here? I don't know. I mean, wouldn't that be really weird? You know, but, he, but the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. Uh, and, and he eats my food. That's all I know. He goes in the fridge and it's all gone. So I know he's doing things, but I don't know why. Uh, uh, and, and yet much of the church, I know it sounds funny, right? I mean, it, it really could eat. But isn't that the way much of the church thinks about the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I don't know. Is he paying rent? I don't know. Uh, is, I mean, you know, is he, is he like changing a thermostat? Maybe, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, and so uh, the, how, how and why would Jesus and the comforter and you're completely unaware of his, of his ministry on the earth? Uh, uh, and, and, you know, that's a valid question, right? You know, it, we're not being just uh, facetious and trying to be funny. It's a valid question because yeah, when I study the word, my, I'm always asking questions. Lord, well, why do you send why, Why'd you send him? If he's just going to sit there and, uh, you know, if somebody just lives in your house uh, and, and you have no concept of why he's there, or when he got there, or what's he doing, that's called being a squatter, right? They have laws against that, right? If some stranger's knocked in your house, go, yeah, I'm taking that room right there. What? Who are you, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, it wouldn't be good to do that in my house because, uh, well, I used to have a license to carry a handgun. Now I don't need a license. I still have the handgun, right? Uh, the license is expired because it's no longer necessary. So, but there's other ways we could deal with it as well. Amen. Doesn't have to result in force, you know. But we're not afraid to do it either, right? And so, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, anyway, so so the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus sent him, and he's supposed to be a, a major part of your life, not a minor part. He should be a major part of your everyday everyday life, right? Not not on Sundays only or once at Christmas. Uh, he should be a major part of your life. Let's turn to the First Thessalonians. Um, Chapter 1 here, we'll look at a verse uh, that Dr. McCrossin is talking about. Uh, he said, um, For our gospel, this is 1 Thessalonians 1 5, he said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and as much assurance as you know, uh, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he said, see, he said the, the gospel came not only uh, by the Holy Ghost, but in power, not in just word only, but in power. And uh, that word power there is what? It's, the, it's dunamis, right? It's the, it's the supernatural miracle work and power of God. And so he said that our gospel, we didn't just say words, right? We came and showed, uh, showed power. And that's really, to me, uh, when I look at the uh, church as a whole, this is where I think that we have probably missed God the most that we have not demonstrated the power of God, right, uh, to the world through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, as we should have. Amen. There are pockets of it, you know, it does occur occasionally, but as far as how much we did it as a whole, you know, we should have been doing it more. Uh, but he said, our gospel, so this is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, came not just in word only, but also in supernatural miracle work and power and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and just real quick, over in First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said a very same thing. So he said that to the church at Thessalonica. And then he said at the church at Corinth uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, in my speech and my preaching was not enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit 
uh, and of power. Again, supernatural miracle work and power. Uh, and, you know, I, I like how he put it really to the Corinthians a little bit better. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing, persuadable words of man's wisdom. And most of the time, you know, uh, I mean, I, this was my experience growing up as a young Christian, that when they talk to you about witnessing, they teach you how to use enticing uh, and uh, the definition there, persuadable words of man's wisdom. You've got to persuade them to be a Christian by using enticing words. And they, so they told you the Roman road and the four spiritual laws and all these kind of trickery things. And it's in direct violation of what Paul is saying here, right? I mean, but we all did. Have we all done that? We've all done it. You know, if I could just go and just convince him, you know, uh, and, and you come up with some hypothetical situation and uh, if you die today, you know, where would you go? And, you know, sometimes it's fine if the Spirit of God leading in a direction, right? Uh, and so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as you share that, it's up to the Holy Spirit to bring the conviction. Yeah, yeah. And Romans one sixteen. Right. The power of the gospel. Yeah. In the Spirit, and and I don't see anything wrong with that. It kind of gives you a guideline to keep you on track with what you're saying and doing with that person, as long as you're sincere in it. I've known people that have used that, and it's more of a process to get them to say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll pray with you." Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, what Paul is saying here is it's, it's uh, your confidence is in your words, right? So your confidence was knowing that when you go and witness that the Holy Spirit is there with you, right? That's not the case of, of all witnesses, right? Most of them are using their enticing words. If I can just trick them into getting saved, right? Uh, and uh, because... I'm, I'm in the same way. Anytime I'm witnessing somebody, because I'm not always, you know, pr- raising the dead when I'm witnessing somebody. A lot of times I'm just talking to them, right? Uh, and at the Roman road, you use that, it's fine. But I'm always conscious that if I'm witnessing them, then I'm on a team with me and the Holy Spirit, right? And that, that as I witness, he will do exactly what you said, which is to, which is to convict them of the need for a Savior, right? And, and that's fine, because that is the power of the gospel, right? Uh, is this, is, but we have to go with the, the knowledge that, power is there, right? Instead of just hoping to outsmart them, right? Or outwit them or, or, or use trickery of words, because that's what he said, enticing words. So if we're, we're only limiting our witnessing to kind of out-talk them, then that's really mental, you know, manipulation, right? And it's not the power of the gospel. I think the enticing uh, words also could be those words that tickle the ears. Yeah. Yeah, well, if we would go with the knowledge that we are partners because we are laborers together with him, right? If we would go with that, with the power of God, uh, because there's no telling how many people could be saved simply by speaking, right? They don't need somebody to be raised from the dead or that. But, you know, again, if you go back to uh, Acts 1.8, you know, Jesus did say, after you're endued with supernatural miracle power, then you'll be witnesses, right? And so it was always the intent that the Holy Spirit and his power is with us when we witness uh, to the lost. Uh, and, you know, if they have a need, then, then we have the capacity to pray for them to have that need met, right? Especially if, it, especially if it's sickness and disease. Um, and so, but we don't want to rest upon our laurels of our intellect and our oratory skills and our, our ability to have, well, I've got this cool collection of words, right? Whether it's the Roman road or the four spiritual laws or whatever. Uh, to me, uh, sometimes it's, well, that's a really good, tricky way of things to kind of, you know, get them thinking, right? But it's not about them thinking, it's about them yielding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? And so uh, I think the church could do a lot better job of partnering with the Holy Spirit, because that's our job, right, is to partner with him. And I guess what Paul said, right, that, that uh, it's not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but he said a demonstration of the Spirit. Uh, and so uh, it, it's not unreasonable to have a demonstration of the Spirit uh, in there. Uh, and, you know, I was talking to one fellow one time, and we were just talking, and, uh, and this doesn't happen very often, but, but, I, uh, but I said, look, I said, uh, and I don't usually say this, I said, but uh, I just feel compelled to, to tell you that I believe the Spirit of God has put us two together right here at this moment of time, and that it's really important for you to be at our church, because 
uh, I don't know if he was, had been a Christian and he walked away or he was almost a Christian, but he was right on the edge, right on the borderline. Uh, and I said, you know, uh, the Lord talks about times and seasons where times of visitation where we have to recognize when he's visiting us. And I said, you need to know that the Spirit of God is visiting you right now, that he has put this circumstance together for me to speak to you to tell you that now is your time. And I can't stress to you enough how important it will be for you that you go to church right now uh, or, you know, like, you know, this Sunday, right, for example. Uh, and he never showed up, you know, and I, and I, and I have thought about that, that many times because how strong the Spirit of God was in that moment. See, that's a demonstration of the Spirit that the Lord knew that. Now, I don't know what happened because I don't know this fellow. I don't know where he lives. I don't know his address. I couldn't even tell you his name. Uh, but I know in that moment, you know, that, that it was important for him. Uh, and there has been, you know, uh, the fellow I told you that mentioned this morning on the airplane. Uh, I, I told him, I said, I said, it's not happenstance that I'm sitting beside you. The Lord Jesus orchestrated this moment from before the foundation of the world that I would sit here and talk to you and tell you that you know, the Lord is not holding these things against you. Uh, and he said, really, you believe that? I said, I said, more than anything in the world, I believe that exact thing, that exact thing. Uh, and and um, never came to church, right? See, that's the demonstration of the Spirit. That, you know, you can tell them those things because if you know, it's, you know, if the Lord tells you it's okay to tell them, then you tell them. We had a long, you know, we had a great conversation. You know, everything's fine. He never showed up to church. Uh, and, and, you know, that may set him back 50 years, right? He may never recover from that. I mean, I, I hope that he does. But, but, you know, the Lord put a lot of effort into, into organizing that and planning that and getting that. And, and I believe every, every opportunity of witnessing is, is that exact same moment, that the Lord has orchestrated that by his spirit, that you are the one who carries the words of life for that very person. And they may never get another shot, right? Uh, now, you know, the Lord is merciful and kind, but, you know, uh, he puts a lot of work. You think about how, how he has to coordinate that, right? He had to get this guy to have a particular business that needed to go travel for this business on this day at this time and, and have this seat. And I'm happy to be doing the exact same thing. Uh, and the Lord puts it all together and orchestrates that. The Lord puts a lot of work and effort in that. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and, and, and you can tell people that, right? Uh, and so, because, you know, when Jesus was ministering, uh, he didn't go to everybody, right? And sometimes in our, in our zeal as Christians, we think we got to go and tell everybody. Well, Jesus went to the people that, G, that the Holy Spirit told him to go to. Now, anybody came to Jesus, anybody come to me, I could get them saved, right? If they want to be saved, if, if they got that uh, conviction to be saved, we could all get them saved. Anybody in this church could get them saved, right? But as far as who you go talk to, you should be led by the Holy Spirit to that because that's the, should be, that's the initial power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I know, and, I, and I've, got, uh, I've got varying um, um, ideas about it, uh, but, and I've done it, uh, we've all done it, gone door to door witnessing, right? Knocking every door, and witness them. But Jesus didn't knock on every door. Hey, you got any sick people I can pray for? Uh, and, and, and I just don't know that that's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, if you feel compelled to do that, I don't have any problem with that, right? Because Jesus, or, or, or Peter, or not Peter, but Philip went down to the city of Samaria, right? Preached the gospel to them. Uh, and so I'm not saying there should be a law that you don't do those things, but they're not very effective, you know? I mean, I, I've never seen much, much uh, success at that. Uh, but the one-on-one witnessing, I think there's a lot more success in that because I think you can allow the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to tell this individual person, right? Uh, and so, because everything, all witnessing should go back to the power of the Holy Spirit. You as the carrier of the power of the Holy Spirit should know what this person needs to hear, right? And if it's the Roman road, or for, that's fine, but, uh, you know, sometimes we use those as a crutch instead of using, uh, instead of leaning upon the Holy Spirit, we lean upon our knowledge of things. And so just be careful and make sure whatever you do, do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and so, so it, it's the exact same uh, Holy Spirit, right? It's not a different Holy Spirit. And, and that's kind of the, the key here. We'll pick this up. Uh, actually, we won't pick it up next week because we're, we, we're not going to have healing school for the next two weeks. But uh, we, we need to pick it up and talk a little bit more about this power because if that power is what caused Jesus to, to execute all the supernatural things he did, then is that power available to us today? And, and many people in church would tell you that power is not available today. Well, then, then, I mean, it's not, they act like it's power, like miracles or healing, like it's a thing, right? Like there's a thing called miracles out there. There's not a thing called miracles. It's, it's the, the expression of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, and so if the Holy Spirit was expressing through the Lord Jesus these miracles and signs and wonders, then what's the Holy Spirit doing today? Is he not the same Holy Spirit? Has he changed? Has he retired? Is he tired? Is he, is he you know, overworked or something? Uh, and so, uh, and I know we know these things, but it's, it's good to reiterate how important the Holy Spirit is in our individual lives, amen? Especially to advance his kingdom, advance the, the, the witnessing of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, we use the Holy Spirit to empower us just uh, in our day-to-day lives to be, uh, to be a witness, right? To show how you be a good employer, show you how you be a, just a good person, right? A happy person. Uh, and that will draw people, right? People, and they don't even know why they're being drawn to you, but they are drawn to you because of, of uh, and if they can see it in the realm of the Spirit, the reason they're drawn to you is because of the light that exists in your life. Uh, and and uh, because darkness will always be drawn to that light, right? Nobody wants to live in darkness, you know, with all the lights off and no power. Nobody wants that. They don't really know that they don't want it, but then they, they inherently, uh, because of who they are, because they're spirit beings, uh, always are drawn to the light because their spirit beings were created by God and they're drawn to God, right? Every person's spirit is drawn to God, even if they don't accept him. Their spirit man always wants to accept God. And the spirit man all their life saying, can we not find God? Where's God? He's got to be somewhere around here somewhere. Well, that looks like God over there. Let's go with that person. You know? Now, they don't know. They can't articulate that. But their spirit's always drawn them to, because God's always drawn them. Uh, and, and God will use people on the earth to advance his kingdom. Amen? Uh, and so, well, we should be more aware of the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Especially in the area of witnessing and saying the exact right words that that person needs to hear. Uh, and, you know, and really that's all you're required to do. And if they, if they yield to that, man, that's great. If they don't, then, then, um, you know, you pray for them and, and hope that uh, maybe somebody else, maybe another, you know, you've watered, maybe another one person will be the one who, who reaps uh, that person into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So father, we do thank you for the word and father, we thank you for the spirit of God. We thank you father that you live big on the inside of us and you do speak to us father. You do lead us and guide us in all truth. You do show us things to come. You do empower us, Father, with supernatural miracle-working power to advance your kingdom on the earth. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. And, Father, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. So, yeah, today uh, is, what, the ninth? Today's the ninth or the tenth? Today's the tenth. Uh, And so we won't have a healing school on the 17th, uh, which is next Sunday or the 24th, which is uh, Christmas Eve. And so we'll have it back here on the, the 31st, which is uh, New Year's Eve. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. Uh, and so this is the last Sunday of the, of the month to uh, come to healing school, right? Uh, and so, or it's like, no, last Sunday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, okay. It's, it's almost the last Sunday of healing school for the, for the month, right? <laughs> so. Uh, but um, praise God. Well, uh, uh, I've enjoyed this particular book. You know, it's a little bit different than some of the other books we've looked at, but, um, uh, but Dr. McCrossey did a good job, I think, of, of making the case of believing in healing for today, right? And that's the primary purpose of him writing that book. So, all right, we'll be blessed. We'll see you all back on uh, January the 30th, right?